Well, I've been asked to speak from the Gospel of John today, which is really encouraging because it's John chapter 14, verse 6, and it's the one that everyone seemed to be shouting out a minute ago, so I know you guys know this. So before we start, if you want to turn to John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm just going to pray for us. Father God, I pray that through your words today you can speak to us. Through me that your words just come out and it really doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. It just really sits on our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that you fill us this room with the Holy Spirit and you really, really speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So when we look at the way, there's a lot of really sobering passages in the Bible about the way. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we have gone astray each to his own way, and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. See, when I read this, I found it really sobering because it's just a sigh of predicting that we was all going to go our own way, all turn our back on God. And instead of God giving us the punishment that we deserved, the Lord laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. And I read that and I was like, wow, I really didn't deserve that, but that's what I get. And then we jump to Proverbs And in Proverbs it says, there seems to be a way that is right, but in the end it leads to death. See, when I grew up, I never knew Jesus. And there seemed to only be two ways in which you could live your life. Now, I didn't realise at the time, but both of these ways seemed to lead to death. So I grew up on a council estate in Bermondsey, just me and my mum, who's here today, point her out. And I'd see these two groups on the estate which we lived on. And I see the first group, and they'd go to work, they'd work nine to five, they'd work really hard. But they always seemed to be struggling, they always seemed to be really angry because they were just about keeping their heads above water. And I looked at that way and I thought, there's no joy, there's no future and there's no hope, and I don't want that for me. I want more, I want more what this, this world has to offer. Then I looked at the other group on the estate, Now these are the people that They didn't work nine to five. They certainly didn't live within the law. But these people, they seemed to have everything. They had the new cars. They had the nice clothes. They had money. Everyone seemed to respect these people. You know, it says in Mark 8.36, what does it profit a man to gain the world but forfeit his soul? What did these people actually have that one one day wouldn't already just, just fade away? But see, I never knew this, so I decided that that was going to be the path because I wanted as much as this world had to offer. So I chose to live down that path. And over the years, I was very harsh towards people. I was extremely cold. I, I would try and be a nice guy, but if I'm honest, I really didn't care about anyone. I really didn't because I knew that if I had to step over someone to get what I wanted, I, I certainly would. And it made my heart really cold towards people. I was very selfish. And as I kind of walked this path, I made decisions that just went from bad to worse. Now, I never knew Jesus. But when I look back, I see how much Jesus still had a hand in my life. Because there's times in my life when I look and I think, how am I even standing here today? How am I standing here talking to all you guys when I really shouldn't have made it out of that situation? And then I fast forward to 2011. See, my wife had already met Jesus, and her life had changed massively. At first, to me, that was really annoying because she just wanted to quote Bible verses at me. 
And honestly, I'd come to bed and she'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I had to read these cards. Do you mind? I'd be like, oh, you've been sitting here an hour. Like, you could just let me sleep. And she'd be like, no, you know, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ, you know. <laughs> and it was, she was just like, I didn't know it then, but she was just drip feeding me real truth. So I, I decided that I needed to find out about this Jesus that all these people seem to, to, to know and it seemed to change so many lives. So I decided to do an Alpha course here at New Community. And I was that annoying person on the Alpha that had so many random questions. And there were so many people like Tony Dark and others that were so patient with me. And they must have been going home just really praying that I'd come back but maybe with less questions. <laughs> and as time went on, I started to understand who Jesus was. So I decided to give my life to Jesus. And I was baptized here and married within two months. I mean, the only other times I've been on this stage is when I've been baptized and married. <laughs> but as time went on, this fire that I had in my heart, this passion I had for Jesus, it kind of just whittled away. And instead of really living for Jesus, what I did was I started to fit him into an already busy life. See, I thought if I came to church and I raised my hand when the worship band was playing, and I read my Bible and I had a chance, then I was, I was still living for Jesus. And on the surface, if you kind of didn't really know me, you'd look and think, oh, that, you know, that guy knows Jesus. He's really walking with Jesus. But if I was honest with myself, I wasn't. And this went on for years. And slowly but steadily, God started to change my heart. He, he helped me understand that I couldn't get into heaven off the back of my wife's faith. He helped me to understand what kind of husband I was. What kind of man was I? What kind of father was I? And he helped me to understand that to grow in him, I needed to lay these things down of my past to gain more than I could ever imagine for my future. And it wasn't like a light switch. Some people have that. I didn't. It was a slow, steady process. But bit by bit, God was helping me and developing me and growing me. And it was just an amazing time. Then we look at truth. See, I've never met anybody that says, I don't really care about truth. I've met loads of people, including myself, that don't care about telling the truth. <laughs> you know, but when the truth doesn't get told to us, or it's a half-truth or a white lie, we get really angry, we get really frustrated, and sometimes we get really hurt. But yet, even though we feel like this, it's funny because every person in this room at some point has lied to someone else. And then we look at how God views truth. See, when God handed the commandments down to Moses thousands of years ago, carved into stone, it said, do not lie. See, God didn't say, try not to lie, or tell white life it's going to save somebody's feeling. No, he said, do not lie, because God's a father, and he knows what's best for his children. For us who've got kids today, I know you'll you're understand this, when we tell our kids, don't touch the oven when it's on, it's not because we don't want our kids to explore or... <laughs> We, we want to make them, you know, do what I say, I want to control you. No, it's because we know if they touch the oven, they get burnt. And with that becomes pain and suffering. See, God knows this about us, and he knows that when we lie, nothing good comes of it. All it brings is pain and suffering. So he wants his kids to live life and live it to the full. Then we look at how Jesus lived. See, Jesus walked a perfect life without sin. And he came to die for our sins. And when we connect these two, when we look at how God views sin 
and Jesus never sinned, it means that Jesus never lied. And when we read our Bible, when we read the words that Jesus spoke, it just changes everything. It just brings so much more depth to the word of God. Now, I'm not standing here and saying that when we understand this absolute truth, that life's going to be a walk in the park. There's going to be lovely rainbows everywhere every day, especially not in London. (laughs) Uh, But it's not like that. There is going to be times where it's really hard. It's really frustrating. But we get to, we get this truth put in this book, my wife's book, actually. (laughs) Got my own one, just so you know. (laughs) But we get this, we get this absolute truth that we get to rely on. That sometimes will really help us through. Now, a few years ago, I was working in London, and uh, I remember getting off the train at London Bridge, and I had my packed lunch with me, and I remember seeing this guy at the end of the platform asking for change. And I remember thinking, you know what, this guy couldn't use this, this lunch more than I could. So I remember giving him my lunch and just going on, not thinking about it. Next day, same guy was there, so I was like, okay, look, take my lunch again. So this went on for about three or four days. And towards the end of the week, I remember seeing the guy and saying, here you go, mate, here's my lunch. And as I walked down the platform, I felt something hit me in the back of the head. And I turned around and looked, and on the floor, there was something wrapped in foil. And I looked up, and the guy was standing there and said, I don't like cheese. (laughs) See, I'm I'm glad you find this funny, because... I'll be honest, at the time, I didn't find this funny. <laughs> and I'd love to say that the first truth that God brought to my heart was, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. <laughs> but what really happened was, I looked at that and I thought, if I knew what you was going to do, you didn't deserve my help and I wouldn't have helped you. Now, can you imagine if God did this with us? Can you imagine if God looked at everything we've ever done everything we're ever going to do and use that to decide on whether he'd help us. None of us would ever be helped, but not only does God help us every day and love and care for us every day, he sent his only son to die for us so that our record, our slate was made clean. Now this wasn't a one-off deal. This wasn't God saying to us that, look, okay, look, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Don't mess up. See, God knew that we was going to mess up time and time and time and time, every day. But every day we wake up, Jesus gives us a fresh slate, a new record. See, in the past year, God has really started to change my heart. I've started stepping out more than I'd ever imagined. You know, if people here know me, they know that one thing I don't struggle is talking. (laughs) If anything, I pray that God winds that down a bit. (laughs) But standing up here like this, I, I, I definitely wouldn't have done that a year ago. But I'm not going to stand here and say I've got all the answers. But what I do say to God now is I'm available. I'm here. I don't know what you can use me for, but I'm here. And in the last year, I've started to read. That sounds really weird when I say that. I, I can read. It's not that I've never been able to read. It's just I've never had a passion. I remember standing up here giving my testimony and saying the only thing I read is the sun. That wasn't a joke, that was true. And I thought like God was really doing something amazing in me until I spoke to my, my daughter Scarlett and she said, how many books have you read dad? And I said, oh, I've read seven books, one a month this year. And she said, no, 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 not this year. How many books have you read in your life? And it was an awkward silence where I've repeated the same seven. 
And she just turned to me and said, got a reading record out and said, but I've read 42. <laughs> and instead of saying, oh, wow, I was like, just go to your room. <laughs> See, God has been really changing me. I finished my first year at the academy, and I even prophesied for people in the academy. And when people told me what God was saying through me about their lives was true, I was completely gobsmacked. Now, I'm not standing here to say this, to say, look, look at me, look, look at me up here, I'm amazing, you know, this is all about me, because I tell you right now, it's not me. It, none of that I could do in my own strength. This is Jesus working through me. And for people who know me here, they know that I struggle like anybody else. See, then we look at life. See, life looks different for loads of us because God has specifically made each one of us for a different purpose. See, God's a creator. You see it everywhere. Everywhere you go, you go to the park, you see it in nature. You see it in sunsets, sunrises, the stars, moons. You see it everywhere. But the thing he's most proud of, the creation that he loves the most, is us. See, it's not a coincidence that there's not two people in this entire world that have got the same fingerprints. God's individual print is on each of us because he's got an individual purpose for each of us. Now, I struggled with this for years. I really did. I would see my friends in this church and what Jesus was doing in their lives. And I had friends who were volunteering in homeless shelters, leading alpha courses, going on the street, whether it was raining or not, telling people about Jesus. I've got friends who are moving their family out of their comfort zone to another country to start a church. And instead of feeling really spurred on and really encouraged, it made me really confused because... I wanted this. I wanted to be able to put God first and really live for God, live for Jesus, burn for Jesus as I once did. But I really didn't want to neglect what God had blessed me with, my wife and kids. And I remember spending time with a good friend of mine and I remember sharing what was on my heart and saying, look, I'm really struggling with this. I really want to live for Jesus. How do I do this? How do I find this balance? And it reminded me that in Ephesians... It says that husbands are called to love their wives like Jesus loved the church and he laid his life down for her. So if I loved and honoured my wife and kids, it was putting God first. It was bringing glory to God. He then reminded me that I am not these other people. God has created me to be me. By me trying to walk their life and speak how they speak, that wasn't what God created me to be. And it helped me to start understanding who I was in Jesus and how much I could actually rely on him. See, when we start to rely on Jesus fully, it's scary. It really is. You know, I had a lot of the times for me, I would rely on Jesus in so many areas. But when it comes to finances, I'd say, look, I've got this. You know, I'll give you everything else, but this... I need, I need this security because I've just been drip-fed lies my whole life from what this world says. That if you haven't got a house and a car and money in your bank, you're going to really struggle. You're really in a, in a bad way. So God started to really change my heart about my finances and about really trusting him fully. And I remember last year, the start of the year, I, I took a new job. So we knew as a family at some point this would catch up with us. This transition period would happen. And it happened in October. 
See, I got paid in October, and I remember looking at my pay packet and thinking, no way, this is not good. And I remember looking at him, we worked out all of our bills, and we had 10% left over. Now, six months before that, I would have looked at that 10% and thought, you know what, I'll try and stretch this further than it ever could stretch, but, you know, I'll try and, in my own strength, I'll make this happen. But this, this was a real chance to not just say these things, We knew we believed these things. This was a real chance to take the words that God gives us and really live it out. If we're going to hear the parables that Jesus spoke about the flowers and the birds and how God provides to them and we're more precious to God than, than flowers and birds, then it was a chance for us to really live this out. So we obeyed God and we gave him our 10%. And on paper, this was a scary time for our family, but Looking back, this was an amazing adventure for us. Now, we had literally no money to get through the whole month for food and petrol. But we knew that we had a father that loved us more than anything, that cared for us more than anything. And we knew when he says absolute truth that he will provide for us, he will will stand by that word. So we told a couple of close friends to us. We said, look, we're telling you this. We're not telling you this because we want you to step in and sort our situation out. We want you to pray for us because we really feel that God's in it. We really feel that God's in this with us. And God started to show up in some amazing ways. So first of all, we were starting to get invited around to loads of people's houses for dinner. It made me strange because we was never invited before. It's like, what was wrong with us? Like, but no, we was invited around loads of people. And this, is just, this wasn't just Christians that this is happening for. This is, God was using anyone. Then we got a phone call from Sky saying, we're really sorry, but we've upped your bill and overcharged you. So what we'd like to do is we're going to refund you some money back. And as a gesture of goodwill, don't pay us this month, pay us next month. For those of you who've got Sky, getting them on the phone is one thing. <laughs> getting them to refund you... But they did, and it paid for another week's worth of food and shopping, uh, shopping and petrol. And then I remember during the year, I was just collecting, my wife has this habit of just putting change down anywhere in her house. You find it everywhere, in drawers, in cupboards, you go to make tea, there's 10 peas in there. But I started collecting all this change and putting it in a jar, and I'd completely forgot because we'd lost the jar, I didn't know where it was. And then I wasn't even looking for it, and all of a sudden it turned up, and it was exactly enough money to fill up our tank of petrol. We was like, this is amazing. Then a family member come to see us, and out of nowhere, never give us money before in our lives, said, we'd like to want to give you £100. I was like, why? And he was like, we just, we just thought it would be nice to give you £100. And because you always pick us up, and you never, ever ask it for anything, you never take, come and get me from East London, never take petrol money. I want to fill your, your tank up with petrol this time. <laughs> so it paid for another week's worth of food and petrol. And then we had friends of ours who turned around and said, look, we're not doing this because we think we have to. We've got a duty. We, we feel like God wants us to buy you some food and, you know, and provide for you. And we was like, this is amazing. This is what the church should actually look like. And then towards the end of the month, I remember getting a call from my wife and she said, look, the brakes on the car have gone. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I was coming down the hill with our kids and I was pressing the brakes and the car wouldn't stop. I had to pull the handbrake up to stop the car. So I was like, no way, look, we ain't got the money to pay for this. She was like, I've managed to get the car around to our friend's house. 
So I remember calling the AA and saying, look, at least I'll get the AA to tow us back to our own home and we'll have to worry about the car next month. Now, this is October. This wasn't the kind of month where you could leisurely do school runs walking through the meadows in the sun. This was, a, like, this was an awful month for this to happen. But again, we believed that God would find a way. Now, my wife was waiting for the AA to turn up with her two friends. And her friends are here today. And one of them said to her, have you prayed for the car? I said, no. It's like, but there's nothing that God can't do. Pray for the car. So my wife and her friends are standing there praying for God. I would have loved to have been a stranger, walk past, and to see these three ladies, hands on the car, just praying. Like. But they're praying for the car, and the AA man turned up. He checked our brakes, and he said, there's nothing wrong with your brakes. Not only did he say that there's nothing wrong with your brakes, he said, I'll follow you home just to make sure. This was in October. Our car has since had an MOT, and it's still passed. It's like there's nothing that God wouldn't do. Now, this was all going on, and we sat there one night towards the end of the month. And, and I'm not exaggerating these stories. This, you know, for people who know us, they, they know this actually happened. I remember sitting there with my wife and going, Look, God has really come through from this month. This is amazing. I think at the end of the month, what we do is we'll have a date night, we'll have a bottle of wine, and we'll really look back. And I kid you not, a friend of ours turned up at our house. He had two pizzas in his hand and a bottle of wine and said him and his wife thought we'd enjoy a date night. You, you literally can't write these things. Well, I can because I did, but I mean, I mean, you can't make these things up. It was, God, would, God wanted us to know that not only was he for us, not only would he provide for us, he would not, not just keep our heads above water. We're his children and he wanted to give us the best. And when Jesus says... Nobody comes to me through, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. It's like we're here with all of our problems, all of our worries, and God is here in our rightful home in heaven. And this gap is filled with sin and death. And there's nothing that we could ever do to bridge this gap. There's no Bible reading plans. There's no alpha courses you can run. There's no set number of deeds that you could ever do to bridge this gap. But when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, he became that bridge. He made a way for us to be able to go home. Now, Jesus didn't make this way with 100 yards left to spare and say, look, guys, I've pretty much took you home now. It's up to you. You're going to have to pick the ball up and run with this. You're going to have to really put in some good work to make sure you're home. No, he made a way for us to go home, but he walked side by side with us until we're home. He actually sometimes will pull us along. And it just blows my mind. It, it shows me how much we can rely on God, how much he's actually done for us, that he'd send his only son to make a way for us to go back home. We don't deserve this, but we still get this. See, I'd like to end today on a, on a passage from Psalm 139. I absolutely love this passage. Someone asked me recently, he said, what's your favourite passage in the Bible? And I said, I've never been asked that question before. And then I felt God really bring this passage to my heart. It says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They are numbered as grains of sand. See, I went to the beach with my wife and kids a couple of months ago. And I remember sitting on the beach with my daughter Skylar and I got a handful of sand and said to her, can you pick out each grain in my hand and give me a good thought about mummy? 
And she looked at my hand and she said, no way. <laughs> now, that's not because my wife's not wonderful and there's not enough good thoughts to go around, because she is, and there are. It's just, not just because she's eight, it's for any one of us, trying to do that is so overwhelming. It's unbelievable. Now, in Antigua, a small, tiny island in the Caribbean, there's 365 beaches. If we move to Australia, there's over 22,000 beaches. Then we look at places like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Vegas. These massive cities are built within deserts. Even if you've got the patience to go to Brighton and move them annoying stones, there's sand. Yet, the God who created the heavens and the earth, who breathed the stars into existence and knows them by name, has more faults for us to outnumber grains of sand. If this God is for us, who could be against us? So as we end today, and we look at how God is completely for us, and you've heard stories of me of how we've relied on God and how God comes through for us. I'd like us to really think about how we're living. See, maybe you're like me. Maybe you once had that real passion, that burning for Jesus, but if you're really honest with yourself, maybe you've just lived in your own way. Maybe it's time to lay down the things of your past to gain more than you can ever imagine for your future. Maybe it's time to start believing truth again. Maybe it's time to stop worrying about how other people are living, whether you know these people or they're people you're viewing online. Maybe it's time to stop worrying about how they're living their lives and start hearing the calling that God has got for your life. Maybe it's time to recognize that life without Jesus is not life. It's merely just existing, and we wasn't created to exist. So I'd like us to really think today, as I pray for us in a moment, I'd really like to think what God is saying for you to do today and what you're going to do about it.